Jiminy Christmas? Hello? Are we recording? I'm on, right? Here I am. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to the What Are Poems podcast, the only poetry podcast not steeped in pretension. I'm your host, Jake. This is, uh, we're getting, we're getting deep into it. We're coming up on the 50th episode of What Are Poems. That means we've been, we've been with each other since the uh, height of the pandemic, when we were locked in our houses, cleaning them religiously, saying, hey, do we still have that board game? Pull, pull down life. Let's play life. It's like we are playing life, and it's scary as hell. Maybe we should play the plastic life. Maybe I'll be a. Maybe I'll be the pink piece. Maybe I'll be a lesbian named Janet, and I'll marry a girl named Beverly with a nice perm haircut. We'll adopt three male children. Derek, Calvin, and Raul will drive across the country. The wind in our hair, a St. Bernard in the back. We'll stop at campsites. They'll say, Beverly, Janet, where'd you get the St. Bernard? We'll say he's a rescue. He's a rescue. <laughs> Aren't they always? Hey, I got to tell you this. For the 50th episode coming out, I thought I'd make a piece of merchandise for the What Are Poems listeners. So, Listen, here it is. If you go to bonfire.com, that's bonfire, like the thing that burns up. Bonfire.com slash what dash r dash shirts. You'll see the official Water Poems merchandise there. It's a it's a t-shirt. It says Water Poems. It's got a microphone like the one I'm using. And you'll see it's got a fat, a fat head. Eyebrows, beard, and some and some long shaggy hair. That's that's what I look like, uh, a Neanderthal uh, man, before Crow Magnum, man. You know we were in the grocery. St- speaking of, oh, it says on the back too. On the back of the shirt, guess what it says? Peace and love, peace and love, beef jerky. So I made that for you, for your fans. You can order that on bonfire.com/slash/what-dash-r-dash-shirts. Uh, it comes in gray and blue. <laughs> uh, oh, the beef jerky contest is this weekend. If you've been following my my uh, my life's journey, you know that last year I came into second place in the beef jerky contest. I use brown sugar. I use soy sauce. I use Worcestershire sauce. The sauce that they made so no one could pronounce. I remember one time I was sitting at a table. I said, Pastor Roar, Pastor Roar, And I said, you know what? Pastor Lee and parents. You know? We call all cola, Coke or Pezzi. Might as well call Rochestershire sauce, Lee and parents. Call it by the brand. Pass the Heinz ketchup, please. You know Heinz? Heinz has the 54, 47, 58 flavors. Whatever number it is. I think it's 54. Because he saw it on a, on a subway in England. In the in the in the loo in the no the loo's the toilet in the tube he saw it in the tube it's fifty four that's a good number that's how many uh, varieties I'll have it's not true it's a lie Heinz fifty seven is what it is Heinz fifty seven he thought that was catchy old sneaky Heinz they called him did you ever see the History Channel uh, doc the food that built America my bald friend Shut used to come down and watch at the bar with me. But they have Heinz making all the ketchup, and he's mixing it. It's like that, that terrible uh, dramatic reenaction where you're like, 
You're like the actor went on the job and he was like, I guess this is it. If I don't get this, I quit. And he gets it. And he's like, maybe I'll just quit anyway. I'm playing a silent John Hines in a documentary about ketchup. But in that in that doc, he dips it in the ketchup. He gives it to the to the guy. He goes, taste this. The guy goes, huh, that's it. And that's history, folks. That's how it works. But uh, I went to the store with uh, with old Sarah, the girlfriend, to get the uh, to get the ingredients for the beef jerky because I came in second last year because this guy came down from the American Legion with twenty of his camo wearing fishing hunting pals and said, "Hey, my beef jerky C. Vote for that." They stuffed the ballots like Edward Edgar Allan Poe. Remember that? They poed me. So this year I, I made a I made a tasty marinade. I got that jerk marinade now. I'm going to do it for, who knows, 24-hour marinade. Who knows what I'll do? It's going to get wild in here. But we're in the store, and, and this is about love. This is what <laughs> I'm going to discuss love here on What Are Palms. But you know when you're in a relationship for a while and you're just sort of sitting on the couch making sure you're not watching uh, watching Netflix without each other, making sure you're not starting a good show without the other one? And the days are passing, and you haven't fed grapes to the monkeys in the Poconos in five, six years. And then suddenly you're reminded you're reminded of your love. And that happened tonight at the grocery store. Me and Sarah were digging through the imitation crab meat and we found these things, uh they're called seafood sticks or something. It's imitation crab meat. It's like someone said, You ever get a carrot? Let's let's make that let's 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 give uh, seafood a carrot vibe. So they mash the Alaskan pollock together into a, a sort of carrot tube, and you could eat these things like shrink cheese, carrots like shrink cheese. You could eat the you could eat the imitation crab. And she said, uh, "Let's get ten packs." And I know, you know, it's like yeah, I, do, I I I love you. I love you to pieces. Just going right on it. Let's let's eat these all week. I'm in. You know, I got the gut problems anyway. Today, I'm going to explore uh, a single poem never done here on what our poems. Has it been done? No. I've had very special episodes. This is a very special episode. When we come back, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you know what's going on. Okay. See you soon. I can't ever shut anything off. Here we go. Did I subscribe those? Did I describe those imitation crab meat sticks in the right way? God, I hope so. So if you see them in the store, you can get them too. Uh, here's what we're going to do today. The old actor, the old-timey actor, Jimmy Stewart, he used to read poems on a little show called The Tonight Show with John Carson. Um, it was like a joke thing. But then one time he goes on there... And he reads a poem about his dog. So, I go way back with James Stewart. I remember uh, before I was any sort of a high school pretentious film purist, I had my parents buy me the color, the color restoration of It's a Wonderful Life. Because I couldn't sit through a black and white movie at six, seven, eight, nine. Whenever I was on my Jimmy Stewart kick, I was a weird kid. I've mentioned this before. But yeah, I was like, oh my God. I was like a 10-year-old, 11-year-old. I was going, give me all the Jimmy Stewart. 
world, how much Jimmy Stewart can you give me? Uh, I like the movie Harvey with Jimmy Stewart where he's seeing the rabbit. You know, I think if you're going to watch, if I think a good double feature would be Harvey into One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. If you want to do a psychiatric, uh, people that need psychiatric care, uh, double feature, you know. But, um, yeah. So I think what it was for me, and tell me if this is, I'm a, if I'm an insane person, which I think is uh, evident. But um, I never knew my grandfather growing up. Never knew him. Never, there's one picture of him. He's sitting, he looks sick, but I never, uh, I never really had a good sense memory of him. I could never picture him. So I think somewhere along the line in my young head, I just started, because, you know, everyone would talk highly of this man. You'd hear good stories about him. He was well-liked. So I think somewhere in my head one day, he just became Jimmy Stewart in my mind. So... Then when I'd see Jimmy Stewart, it was sort of like a comfort thing for me as a child. Even though, uh, I don't know if he's anything like Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart was an American actor, you know. He fought in World War II up there in a, up there in a airplane. He was like a, uh, a major general, uh, he uh, he got the Air Force Distinguished Service Medal, you know. He's born in Indiana, Pennsylvania, just down the road from me, in a way. If I go all the way through Pittsburgh for five hours, stop at a gas station where a man in a, in a white T-shirt is smoking a cigarette and yells at me. That happened one time when I went toward Pittsburgh. Never went back that way because of it. But he's famous for movies like... Uh, the Philadelphia story and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He's the original Tom Hanks, kind of. They would call Tom Hanks the new Jimmy Stewart. Are you getting the story? Are you getting who the man is? But as he got older, he stopped being such a leading man, you know, and he sort of became this this guy that everyone sort of knew, and he'd go on the talk shows, and uh, he wrote this poem about his dog. So Jimmy Stewart, movie star, you get a sense of who he is there. Now let me tell you about the poem about the dog poem. Because I don't think we need to know about Jimmy Stewart that much because we we should know him. He's a part of the American consciousness, right? The great American consciousness. Jimmy Stewart lives there. He's a, he's a man. He's one of those men that made Hollywood. He's one of those Cary Grants. He's one of those uh, important people in film. Um, so he goes on, Johnny Carson in 1981. And this is really about how poetry affects our... Poetry is still part of the, uh, the social conscious. Poetry is still a part of the, of the world that we live in, you know? Because sometimes I think we, can, we forget that, that uh, we sort of subvert it into, into nothingness. But here it is, 19, 1981. It's killing on, on, on Johnny Carson. And, and well, everyone's going, well, 19, 1919, they think it died with Anne Bradstreet. We know better here at What Are Poems. So Bo is a poem. It's also known as I'll Never Forget a Dog Named Bo, and it's written by American film and stage actor James Stewart, a 
tribute to Stewart's deceased pet dog. The poem was first recited on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. James Stewart owned a willful but beloved golden retriever named Bo, of whom he was extremely fond. Bo slept in the corner of Stewart's bedroom, but would often crawl onto the bed between Stewart and his wife, Gloria. Um, while shooting a movie in Arizona, Stewart received a phone call from his veterinarian, who informed him that Bo was terminally ill, and that Gloria sought his permission to perform euthanasia. Stewart reclined to give a reply over the phone and told the vet to keep him alive and I'll be there. Stuart requested several days leave from the movie, which allowed him to spend some time with Bo, before granting the doctor permission to euthanize the sick dog. Following the procedure, Stuart sat in his car for ten minutes to clear his eyes of tears. Stuart later remembered, After Bo died, there were a lot of nights when I was certain that I could feel him get into bed beside me, and I would reach out and pat his head. The feeling was so real that I wrote a poem about it, and how much it hurt to realize that he wasn't going to be there anymore. So, uh, you know, I, I had a dog. We all had a dog, didn't we? I had this dog. Well, I had a couple of dogs. Dogs and poetry are a thing. Uh, there's all sorts of moments in a poet's life when they reflect upon dogs. I've seen as I've gone through this journey of poetry. But I had a dog named Mick, Border Collie. Looked like the dog from Babe. Followed me around from age 12 till about 15 when he suddenly died of heart failure after being scared by a deer, I suspect. That was a heartbreaking time, one that I, one that I hold in. My little dog, Mocha. She died about four or five years ago. I say she was the only raconteur who never spoke a word. She was my buddy, though. Dead dogs, man. I See, I'm getting... Some things make me emotional. That's one of them. <laughs> oh, man. Who am I? Okay, so here's a... Uh, I'm going to play Jimmy Stewart with his poem, Bo, for you. And then I'll come back and, and we'll keep talking about dogs and, and how sad we are and... and uh, you know, someone the other day told me that our memories are just memories of our memories. And I said, you better leave me alone right now. Also, I stopped a bar fight this weekend. Hey, a lot happened. Maybe we'll do an inverse what our poems. We'll do the poem in the middle, and then we'll talk about my life. And I'll, and I'll work through some stuff. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hi, I'm Lily from Ugh, it's an ad. <laughs> okay. Lily. Shh. It's actually Zoe Deschanel playing that character. Okay, here we go. I just thought I'd uh, write, write a poem. Do you want me to do it here? Oh, yes. Do you want to hear it? Now, this, uh, uh, well, they could always start the wedding late, I guess. There's Johnny Carson, I guess, killing it, you know. Now, this, the title of it is it's Bo. That's, that's the name of the dog. He never came to me when I would call unless I had a tennis ball, or he felt like it. But, <laughs> but mo mostly, he didn't come at all. When, when he was young, he never learned to heal or sit or stay. He did things his way. Discipline was not his bag, but when you were with him, 
Things sure didn't drag. <laughs> he'd dig up a rose bush just to spite me, and when I'd grab him, he'd turn bite me. <laughs> he bit lots of folks from day to day. The, the, the delivery boy was his favorite prey. <laughs> the gas man wouldn't read our meter. He said we owned a real man-eater. He set the house on fire, but the story's long to tell. Suffice to say that he survived and the house survived as well. And on evening walks, and Gloria took him, he was always first out the door. The old one and I brought up the rear because our bones were sore. And he'd charge up the street with Mom hanging on. What a beautiful pair they were. And if it was still light and the tourists were out, they created a bit of a stir. But every once in a while, he'd stop in his tracks and with a frown on his face, look around. It was just to make sure that the old one was there to follow him where he was bound. We're, we're early to betters in our house. I guess I'm the first to retire. And as I'd leave the room, he'd look at me and get up from his place by the fire. He knew where the tennis balls were upstairs, and I'd give him one for a while, and he'd push it under the bed with his nose, and I'd dig it out with a smile. But before very long, he'd tire of the ball, and he'd be asleep in his corner in no time at all. And there were nights when I'd feel him climb upon our bed and lie between us, and I'd pat his head. And there were nights when I'd feel this stare, and I'd wake up and he'd be sitting there, and I'd reach out to stroke his hair, and sometimes I'd feel him sigh, and I think I know the reason why. He'd, he'd wake up at night, and he would have this fear of the dark, of life, of lots of things, and he'd be glad to have me near. And now he's dead. And there are nights when I think I feel him climb upon her bed and lie between us, and I pat his head. And there are nights when I, when I think I feel that stare and I reach out my hand to stroke his hair, and he's not there. Oh, how I wish that wasn't so. I'll always love a dog named Bo. So yeah, in the clip, you got Jimmy Stewart crying, you got Johnny Carson crying, you got Ed McMahon crying, all men uh, who cried who cried, uh, you know, in the era when men weren't allowed to cry over the dog. And I think we all we all end up crying over dogs at, at some point in our life if we have a dog. It's just... You know, I thought this was going to be lighthearted, but it turned very sad for me. <laughs> I'm just reflecting on all my dead dogs. Hey, I'll be I'll be back, okay? So, I mean, that's how poems work. That poem works. It's not the deepest poem. It's not one of those, you know, Ezra Pound would probably sit there and go, that poem's garbage. Remember how he used to be. Hey, 
You ain't on a hot streak. That poem's garbage. I only do that impression of uh, Ezra Pound because I know he wouldn't like it and he's a Nazi. And he's garbage. But, um, yeah, that's what poetry's about, right, folks? It's about, uh, it's about something just hitting you when you don't expect it to. Because uh, I thought, oh, well, I'll talk about one of my dead dogs. I was like, oh, another one did die. And it was like, well, these were my friends, these dogs, for crying out loud. Because like I said, I was an 11-year-old who liked Jimmy Stewart, so I, didn't, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't heavy with friends. They weren't all over the place. I was like, oh, let's hang out with that kid who likes TCM, you know. But the dogs liked me. The dogs liked me. People also say I have a smell about me. So maybe that's why they... <laughs> maybe I have a bit of a salami smell or something to me. That's what my girlfriend always says. I say, is the smell bad? She goes, no, you just got to smell. Who knows? Maybe that's what, they do- maybe that's what the dogs are, are into. Um, all right. When we come back... Well, here, let me tell you this uh, about the bar fight. So I was, so now I do have friends. This is, this is a happy ending to the story. So now I have, I have friends. I'm going to say that. I have a couple of friends. And uh, there's a commotion at the bar. And I'm playing, I'm, uh, I'm playing a gambling machine. And I hear, I hear, Jake, Jake, Jake. I'm like, is everyone chanting my name? Because I, I just sang karaoke. And they're excited. And I come around the corner. It's like, oh, it's a fight. They just want fat old me to get in the middle of it. So I get up there. I hear the guys yelling the N-word. Like, oh, geez, I don't like that at all. So I grab him. He's just like a little worm guy. He's, he's like that worm from Richard Scarry. He's going, uh, he's going, I was disrespected. I was disrespected. So I just hugged him and crushed his little worm body in my arms. And then I was, uh, I was taking him towards the door uh, to toss him, toss him out. And, uh, you know, years ago I was a pacifist, but then you're in a bar and a little worm guy's yelling the N-word, and you go, well, I'm just going to toss this guy down the stairs. And you do it. And that's who you are now. <sighs> so, uh, yeah. Hey, when I come back, I'll read a poem I composed, and uh, we'll all cheer up. Stay tuned. This is a poem about being cold. My nosebleed came just on time, March 17th. I said, buongiorno, and it just dripped down my lip and let me know allergy season had begun. I'll be coughing and sneezing and missing the dead of winter soon. When the world feels like it can crack under your feet and the warmth and the hiss of old steam radiators radiates in your dreams as you picture a place where cold is simply one more excuse to be miserable, to be callous. Now the only excuse will be the growing spring heat. That's my uh, poem about how weather, cold or hot, doesn't make people happy. Um, a lot going on in the world. A lot of things that we, we here, living, breathing, okay, you know, with sweatshirts and pajama pants and cars and little tiny seafood sticks should be happy about. And we are happy. And we think about our we think about our long gone pets and the fact that the memories of the memories of the memories of them might just be 
memories upon memories that we've constructed in our own heads. But this could all be the Matrix, right? Hey, who knows? Until next time, peace and love, peace and love, beef jerky. Thank you.